Hello and welcome to an Oxford Sandy and Black Pig Group podcast. I'm your regular host, Andrew O'Shea. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, in this episode of our podcast, uh, we are replaying an event that we held a couple of weeks ago with a gentleman called Vincent de Bay from the Netherlands. Um, he's talking to us about seven key questions um, that are on the tips of our tongues around uh, African swine fever. Um, it was a very interesting and uh, enjoyable evening um, so I hope you enjoy that. But before we get to that, there's a few items of uh, news that I'd like to cover off. Um, so firstly, our annual Christmas competition kicks off on the 1st of December. Um, it will run until uh, midnight on the 23rd of December. And as always, the winner will be announced on Christmas Eve morning around 9am on the charity's Facebook group. Um, this year, we are lucky to have been donated a... Uh, sausage stuffing starter kit from Veschenfelder Direct um, and also from hotsmoked.co.uk we have a, a an amazing barbecue smoking and um, seasoning kit uh, and a small tabletop grill for you to make the most of that kit so thank you to the, for the um, so thank you to them for those uh, items um, details of the competition will be announced on 1st of December uh, by myself so tune in to our all our social media channels instagram our page our facebook group our website all the details will be in there on how you can enter um so thank you uh next up um after a couple of years of hard work and thanks to Catherine green smith um specifically um in collaborating um our first and the only uh, oxford sandy and black pork cookbook um, over a hundred recipes from around forty of our members. Um, it's available in our shops to order. Ideal Christmas presents. The price is seventeen pounds fifty. It's a high quality book um, and must have for those that uh, produce their own Oxford Sandy and Black Pork. So head on over to the website, click on the shop, and you'll see it there as the headed item on the shop. Thank you. Um, in addition, Kim. Um, Kim being Kim, um, mad as a box of frogs, what some might say, um, is doing a challenge for the next 30 days from today when I'm recording this, the 25th of November through to the 25th of December, where she's doing a thousand sit-ups um, in order to raise money for the charity. So head on over to our YouTube channel, um, go to youtube.com forward slash at OSBPG, and you'll see the video on the front page there with all the details on how you can um, donate and see what Kim's up to. I'm pleased to announce as well that our app that's been many months in development and testing is now on the Android Google Play Store. It's totally free. Um, there's no ads, nothing like that. You can download it from, from the uh, Play Store. Um, from your phones or from any uh, Android device um, just search for OSBPG and you'll see um, our logo next to a tool called OSBPG tools it's got all the all the tools that are handy for you to have at, the, at your fingertips when you're out there with your pigs things like things like the farrowing calculator our pig weight tool um, there's access to the GSA application process and loads and loads of other bits and pieces again it's 100 percent free no charges no ads we don't track 
any cookies or anything like that. So have a wander over. If you've got an Android phone, um, Play Store, OSBPG. We will be working on a, an Apple version hopefully next year. Um, and that's to come. And lastly, um, our magazine, our quarterly digital magazine is due out um, early December, the 10th of December, I believe. Um, if you want to get a copy, don't miss out. Head over to the website, top right corner, you can subscribe. Just need your first name, last name, and email address. Well, that's enough of my waffling. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I'm going to hand over to Kim now and Vincent DeBay. Right. Thank you, everyone, for attending tonight. Um, our host, as Andrew said, um, joining us is Vincent DeBay, who is joining us from the Netherlands, which is an hour ahead of us at the moment. Some of you may be familiar with Vincent as he is the editor of Peak Progress magazine and a very informative website, which have both thrived with Vincent's energy and enthusiasm since 2005. And if, like me, you will see Peak Progress daily in your email box and on your Twitter feed. Vincent describes himself as an agricultural immigrant because he does not come from a livestock background. However, today he's become known as a global pig industry initiator. Vincent has traveled all over the planet studying and lecturing about pigs and sharing his dedication and knowledge on the effects of African swine fever in the pig industry. It is my belief that being aware of this disease is being prepared. Vincent Tabake will tell us of how ASF has spread across Asia and Europe. It is only a short trip across the English Channel. It is vital we keep ASF out of the UK. And I pass you over to Vincent with Around the World with ASF in seven questions. Thank you very much, Kim. Um, thank you very much for this kind introduction. I hope you can hear me all well and you can see me all well, but that all works out well. Um, yes, as I said, I've decided to make it seven, not five questions, because I wasn't 100% sure whether everybody in my audience is 100% aware of African swine fever and what it all means and what kind of virus it is and what damage it can do. So I just thought, let's start with the basics and move on from there. <clears throat> Let me just make sure that I can click through well. Okay, I'll have to make do with my... Um, with my mouse, I think. Okay, um, what I'm going to do is just briefly introduce myself um, and the title I work for, then I'll move on to the questions and the answers I have prepared for you, and I will wrap up with a short conclusion. In case you have any questions, I would suggest to either put them into the, the, the chat box or keep them until the end of the presentation. Um, I think it's best that we kind of wrap them all together at the end. I hope that will be all right for you. Um, a few words about myself and about big progress. As Kim already said, I'm 45 years old um, and I studied history and journalism in the Netherlands. I have no previous background in agriculture, didn't go to agricultural college, wasn't, didn't grow up on a farm, but I ended up in this job because I did postgraduate newspaper journalism in Harlow in the UK. So that's why my English is okay for a Dutchman and it got me a job at a global title like Peak Progress is. Um, I've been in Peak Progress uh, well since 2005, as you can see. Peak Progress is a global title. It's um, <clears throat> being published in the Netherlands, but we try to cover and try to distribute a title worldwide. 
So and with that, we have kind of an international outlook. Our view doesn't stop at the border, rather it goes across it. So I'm interested in what's going on in Belgium, in Botswana or in Belize, for instance, and also in Britain, but not so much only in the Netherlands. Um, when I started in 2005, we only had a magazine. Um, over the years, we developed a website. We started to do events. We started to hold webinars, be active on social media, do a newsletter. And we're also being active in podcasts recently. So you can see that our portfolio of activities has grown. And now from time to time, I give, <laughs> I am, uh, give guest presentations as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm not doing that on my own. Apart from a pig title, our group also publishes a, a worldwide dairy title, a worldwide feed title, one on poultry production and one on advanced arable farming. And in case you wish to know more, just uh, use the, um, the QR code on the right and then you can see uh, um, registration for all of our newsletters is entirely free. Um, that I don't, didn't grow up on a farm or that I don't have any uh, agricultural um, college, for instance, that I didn't go there doesn't mean that I don't know what a pig looks like. Uh, over the years, I have been privileged to see many farms around the world, I think roughly 100 worldwide. And here is just um, a nice selection of farms where I went and you can see they were in all different kind of continents. Um, but in most farm visits, I had not the wit, did not have the wit to take a selfie as well. But yeah, you can see that I, I did visit quite some farms here and there. African swine fever for me has always been an, uh, an intriguing virus. And of all the information and all the viruses that have crossed my path in the last few years, African swine fever was the one that immediately attracted my attention. First time I wrote about it, you can see, was in 2007. So that's a good 15 years ago. When I heard about uh, uh, a funny virus popping up in Georgia in the Caucasian mountains, that turned out to be African swine fever when it entered Europe again for the first time in 2007. That's when I asked about it and what is it? What kind of, what does the virus do? What, what are we talking about here? Um, that box that you can see, top right, that table, I will show that in more detail in a few slides from now. Um, <clears throat> One of the other things to show that I've been working on African swine fever for quite some time is um, this particular farm. I consider it one of my most special farm visits that I've ever done. This one was in Lithuania, and this was the first commercial farm inside the European Union that got hit. Because for a while, the virus was only in Azerbaijan, Armenia, Russia, countries where you wouldn't just go and take a look because it's difficult to get there. A lot of visa procedures. And so for that reason, I apologize. I have to attach my, my, uh, my laptop for a bit. Battery issue, I'm sorry. I had to make sure that the, the battery is uh, is still on. No problem at all. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Um, this this was the first first um, the first farm in 2014 that got infected inside the European Union, and all of a sudden it became very very easy for us 
to travel there and actually observe firsthand what had happened. So me and my colleague phoned the owner. It was a Danish guy in, the, in Lithuania, whether we were allowed to visit. And he said, yes, come, I have a lot to share. So we were allowed to visit. It was an old Soviet farm that was turned around. And as you can see, empty, store, empty big houses. But he was very kind and it delivered a very nice story as well. So the questions that I have for you, and I'm aware that you cannot be interactive, um, so, but that's not the idea. The questions I just have is to um, make you think, so to say, and uh, see how many questions you got right, so to say. What I would like to discuss is why is African swine fever so dangerous? Two, will the problem of African swine fever be something of the past soon? How quickly does African swine fever spread in wild war? Will African swine fever come to the UK? What do the authorities have to do to keep African swine fever out? Imagine an African an infect, infected wild boar gets found in the UK, then what? And what can you as pig farmers do to keep ASF out? Here we go with question one. Why is African swine fever so dangerous? Is that virtually 100% mortality, the virus is a super spreader or there is no vaccine? Hopefully by the end of this chapter, you'll know the answer to that. Um, this is the box that I uh, spoke about a few slides ago on the top right hand corner of that article. It's a comparison to African swine fever and classical swine fever, because one of the questions I had is, are these two related? Well, the answer is no. They are totally different viruses. You can see African swine fever is a DNA virus. Classical swine fever is an RNA virus. Yet, why do they both, why are they both called swine fevers? Well, that's because the, the, the clinical signs are virtually identical. I understand from veterinarians who have been working with Africans with, with the, in the field with both fevers that they cannot tell which one is which, and they really need to do blood testing before they can figure out what causes the problem. So they will see fever, skin lesions, convulsions, death in young animals, and um, Abortions, for instance, most of those things will happen with both of them. And only when they really start doing laboratory testing, that's, they could, that's when they have certainty what kind of virus it was. As you can see, classical swine fever, for that virus, a vaccination is possible. And that's one of the major differences between the viruses. So in case it happens, for instance, in Brazil, you see that vaccination is possible. For African swine fever, no effective treatment exists yet. Um, <clears throat> so what does it look like, for instance, if it is found? Well, one of the, the there's not a lot of good pictures of uh, animals with African swine fever simply because as soon as they are found, people want to get dispose of the, uh, the, the, the animals as good as possible. I'm sure within universities and institutes, there must be pictures, but to me, there are not, not a couple of good ones of them. This is one of them that I got sent by, by somebody from the Universidad Complutense in Madrid in Spain. Um, here you can see an animal that is fever followed by dullness, and you can see the cyanosis in the tip of the ears, for instance. Um, but to figure out what kind of virus it is, um, <clears throat> what they can, for instance, do is op open the animal up and African swine fever is usually characterized by having a large enlarged spleen that has also a black color. That's usually one of the characteristics that this is African swine fever. Um, 
But yeah, one of the main characteristics of Soros African swine fever is virtually 100% lethal. Um, <clears throat> interestingly, African swine fever comes in various genotypes. Um, at least six are known and more probably are somewhere in the south of Africa. As you can see, Sub-Saharan Africa, that's where it originates. And there are more genotypes. Um, genotype one used to be the most, uh, most well-known problem. And it spread out over all over Western Europe in the end of the last century. So for more than 40 years, for roughly 40 years, you can see that predominantly Spain, Portugal and France had a problem with it. And that lasted a long time to overcome this. And from there, it also went to Latin America, as we see later on. Currently, of that outbreak, only there is a remainder in Stardinia, the northern island of Italy. That's where it still is, but that situation is well under control. No pigs will ever leave that island, and that has been an accepted situation. Nowadays, it is genotype two that is spreading all over the planet. So what is now currently not only in Africa, but also in Asia, as well as in Europe, and a little bit in the Caribbean, as we will see. But this is just a different genotype. And as you can see, there is more, there is more genotypes waiting, of which we don't know a lot. I think it's good to know which animals are involved in African swine fever virus, because the majority of the animals and the majority of the insects around the world don't have a problem with African swine fever. There's actually only two that can be in fact affected by it. One of them, obviously, are the porcines. We know those. I have here the wild boar, but also the, its family members, the domestic pig, as well as the warthogs or the bush pigs can be infected. The other one is the eyeless tampan, the, uh, and, um, a little tick type. And those ticks play an important role in Sub-Sahara Africa in kind of in, in, um, in the biological habitat of that. There you see that the virus um, houses inside the ticks, inside the, um, the, 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 the pigs living there, and it kind of makes a, co uh, a complete circle. In Europe, it is too cold for this kind of tick. So in Europe, you'll find that the ticks do not play a role at all. Right, going back to my question, why is African swine fever so dangerous? Well, there were two right answers. There's a virtually 100% mortality and there is no vaccine yet. I'll take a sip of water. I'll go on with question two. Will the problem of African swine fever be something of the past soon? Well, there's a yes and no, and it's impossible to predict. Take your time to think about it, and let's see what, um, what, what uh, the presentation will tell. I would like to take you to the situation in Asia at the moment. This map shows the situation how it was roughly this summer. Each little blue ball did, um, represents an outbreak of the past. Everyone that is... Um, darker red and bigger is what happened roughly in recent months. It's not a completely up-to-date map, but the map was from this summer. Um, you can see that already 20 countries in Eastern Asia all got infected. That's roughly all of them except Japan. So you see that Asian Russia was infected, China was infected, um, the Philippines, Vietnam, and also Thailand, finally, in 2022. 
Um, but there's hardly any country in Eastern Asia that escaped the fate. I will um, touch on the situation in a couple of them. One of them, obviously, as you well know, half of the pigs in the world is in China. So China was hit heavily. To many people is a little bit unknown as to how hard African swine fever hit. But it is fair to say that roughly between a quarter and a third definitely um, got uh, disappeared in, in terms of sound numbers, and it might even be more. When you look at the numbers that are given by the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, you see that it went from 441 million to 310 in two years. So that's a substantial chunk out of the population that disappeared. There is also severe underreporting going on, as you can see that a country with roughly, I think, 600 million pigs from the top of my head, they only have a few dots that are reported because every of these dots are the outbreaks reported to the World Organization for Animal Health. That is a requirement of every country that is participating in the, in the World Organization for Animal Health. They need to report an outbreak of notifiable diseases. So this is all the outbreaks that China has been reporting. And it is common knowledge that China has only reported very few outbreaks. So we don't know, but most unlikely is that the situation is already under control. But even though the situation is still um, there, there is still the disease going around. You see at the same time that the Chinese try to rapidly reconstruct this industry. Um, Earlier this month, I think last month, the news broke that, for instance, in Hubei province, they are building swine farms of 26 floors. This is kind of the kind of real reconstruction that is going on. So imagine what happens if African swine fever is found in one of those. Um, the nice, a nice way to show you how the underreporting is, is, can be proved is the situation in Taiwan. Because officially in Taiwan, no African swine fever was found on either farms or in live pigs. Yet 16 infected African swine fever um, affected animals washed ashore between uh, in the last four years, so to say. And you can see the majority happened in the Chinmen Islands as well as the Matsu Islands. These are little archipelagos just off the coast of China, just off the coast of Fujian province. They belong to Taiwan but they are very close to the mainland. So every time an infected pig is found on the beach, they immediately try to, um, they try to confiscate it, to try to test it and to dispose of the carcass as quickly as possible. But they report about it transparently. <clears throat> One of them was found in Taipei even, just on the north side of Taiwan Island. And you can see what it looks like. This is information you won't find on Chinese media, but the Taiwanese report about it. This is what they find. This is comes washing ashore. They see a lot of um, garbage uh, um, washing ashore every day, and sometimes there's a dead pig. Well, they test it, and they test. Ah, this is positive for African swine fever. This one was found in April, April 2021, and the question is, how did it get there? Well, the only thing that I can think of is that inland in China, people found that many pigs on their farm died, and people just wanted to dispose of them threw them into a nearby river, and that took the animals away, and they floated 
across the sea. And as you can see, the officially reported outbreaks of African swine fever, they are represented by all the blue dots on the mainland. There is nowhere to be a farm to be seen. So there must be more farms with these problems around China that are just not known to us. And why do the Chinese not report? There's a variety of reasons for that, for no, certain, no, um, no compensation being, being given, uh, no testing facilities being available, corruption most likely, um, you, know, you name it. But it's difficult to assess the size of the problem. And if you don't know how big the problem is, it's difficult to tackle it as well. Um, another major country in, in, in Asia is Vietnam. Um, same idea. Also, you see roughly a 25 to 35% um, reduction of the, the herd on the basis of FAO figures. You see that it dropped from 28 million to 19.6 million. Also there, they are trying to rebuild. And at the same time, I have the question whether the virus is really gone. Interestingly here is that they are also doing a first vaccination project, and that's the world first. They are trying to vaccinate their herd on the basis of a vaccine that has been developed at the United States Department of Agriculture. So that's interesting to follow. Um, the reports have been varied. Some say that, uh, that some animals got sick again. In other cases, they say, no, no, we're going to scale up the, the size of the, the, the research. But it's definitely interesting to keep following that. To get an idea how difficult it is to get rid of the virus is to look at the situation in Spain. As we've seen, genotype one was in Spain between roughly 1960 and 1995. So they've had a situation for 35 years. In the first 20 years of the disease, we saw that the virus came in waves. So it came and then it went and it came and then it went. So there were times that they thought, oh, the virus seems to be gone. And there were times that the virus came again and the farmers had known the situation, they got used to it. When they finally started to work on an eradication plan, it was in 1980, and they, they knew that they were going to join the European Union soon, or that they were about to join the European Union. And that kind of became a big impetus for them to say, okay, we're at a big disadvantage if we have African swine fever within our borders, so we need to get rid of that. And even when they started doing that, it cost them 15 years to get finally rid of it. On the upside, Spain is known as a knowledge center of African swine fever knowledge, but yeah, it took them a long time to get rid of it. So is there no hopeful situation? Do, do, does it take really that long? Is there nothing we can do? Well, at the moment, there are various research initiatives going on around the globe. For instance, the Burbright Institute in the UK has said um, there is the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. That's the initiative of the USDA in the US. That picture is showing that team. They are working on a, on a vaccine that is being tried by Navetco in Vietnam. And there is also in various other uh, locations, and I'm sure I must have forgotten at least uh, another dozen, but to show that many, many uh, organizations are trying to work on vaccines at the moment. So nobody's sitting still, but we'll only know the news when it's there. So will the problem of African swine fever be something of the past soon? I say no, <coughs> it will take considerable amount of time before this virus is really a problem of the past. We'll take some water again. Question number three, how quickly does ASF spread in wild boar? Spreads it like, does it spread like wildfire about 10 miles a month or does that depend on human behavior? 
Well, for that, I would like to take you to, the, to see the spread, how it went in Europe over the years. As you saw, I started to develop my interest in the virus when it appeared in the Caucasian area in 2007, talking about Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan there. From there, the virus spread into to Russia, and then all of a sudden it popped up in St. Petersburg in 2011. 2012, we saw an outbreak in Ukraine. It went to the, the, the Baltics in 2014. Romania and the Czech Republic followed in 2017. Then Belgium, 2018, Germany in 2020. And only this year, it arrived in Italy again. So interestingly in this, you can see that sometimes the virus spreads, creeps from country to country, and sometimes it makes big jumps. The green arrow shows that it jumped from the Caucasian area to St. Petersburg, and both the outbreaks in Belgium as well as in Italy, you can see they, the animals did not fly. These happened because humans helped the virus, and then all of a sudden the virus doesn't travel slowly but travels at 80 miles an hour. Oops, it's a bit sensitive here. Okay, um, over the years I've spoken to quite a lot of experts and I've interviewed people. So everything that you hear is information that got to me over the years as a journalist that I kind of accumulated everywhere. So I spoke to two of the leading researchers in Germany, Dr. Klaus Deppner and Dr. Sandra Blomer. They are very well known in Germany and throughout Europe about their knowledge of African swine fever. And I asked them as well, how quickly does this virus go and what do you know how it spreads in wild boar? Well, they said we overestimated the contagiousness of African swine fever, overestimated. The disease moves very slowly. When looking at affected wild boar populations, most of them have not been significantly reduced and the virus doesn't spread that quickly at all. And interestingly, they added, Wild boar shed the virus mainly when they are very sick and in the vinyls, final stage of the disease. And when the animals have high fever, it's in that character to stay where they are. And they are certainly not going to walk, walk very far when they feel bad. So that gives an idea that wild boar don't go running around and spread the virus over many, many, many miles. Interestingly, a few years later, I listened to a present presentation of this uh, young Polish researcher, and he presented in China at the time at IPVS Congress, a veterinary congress, and he had developed a mathematical, um, um, mathematical model to predict where the virus could go next and how, how quickly it would spread. And he calculated that the virus would be spreading by 125 mile, 124 miles per year in wild boar populations in Poland, about 10 miles a month. He calculated at that time that it would reach in Germany by 2022. The thing he did not include there was that the virus could be helped by humans again. And that exactly is what happened. So he did emphasize the role of migrating farm staff there, but in case it would only have been wild boar, it would have been in Germany two, year, two years later than it actually did. This is a map also roughly this summer <clears throat> um, where all the blue dots um, show the virus at farm sites and the red dots show the outbreaks on, in wild boar. Um, 
I started following the situation in Poland when the virus suddenly showed up in Western Poland, close to the German border. That's where I thought it was interesting because there was a border involved and then it went international on that, something I like. So the virus also showed up in wild boar in Eastern Poland, but I just didn't keep track of all these developments. When it showed up in Western Poland, it was a different cluster. Again, an example of how the virus had been traveling with humans to another side. From there, you can see it spread in all kinds of directions and it also spread into Germany. Currently, what we see in Germany since 2020, September 2020, you see that seven farms have been infected. They managed to keep the, uh, the damage under control. Um, I've just tested just before we went into this, uh, into this presentation. Currently, there have been almost 4,500 wild boar that they found that were infected with uh, African swine fever. In, um, in the three border states, you can see from top to not top to bottom that is Mecklenburg, Vorpommern, Brandenburg and Saxony. Those three uh, states were infected and you'll find uh, infected wild boar there. Um, interestingly, you can see two blue, dark blue dots on the far other side in the west of Germany, one in the south of um, Baden-Württemberg state and one in the north, and that is uh, Lower Saxony state. Those were also situations where humans must have helped the virus because all of a sudden, out of the blue, the virus popped up there in farms. Nobody knew how, nobody knew where it came from only that it was there. And there, there is an advantage of finding the virus on a farm because simply you close off the farm, you know where the pigs went and you can control it easily. Whereas if it happens in wild boar, you don't know who else might be infected. So those situations were under control. What the Germans are trying to do is build a double fence. <clears throat> By building the first fence that's already there, they try to make it difficult for, for a swine a wild boar to cross the border river, the Oder Rodden Neisse, to get into Germany. Uh, obviously, the animals can swim and can also climb over obstacles, so it's not a permanent situation. That's why they are building another, another fence about five, uh, four miles to the west of the, the border fence. That together should create a corridor to keep migrating wild boar out. And what happens is then they have individual little patches and they hope to manage to get that under control. And that is possible, as we shall see, with examples of Belgium and Czech Republic in a little bit. Um, so how quickly does African swine fever spread in wild boar? Well, the answer is oh, about 10 miles a month, or it depends on human behavior. And that human behavior makes or breaks the success of the virus. Question four, I hope I'm not going too fast and that everything is, or is still, still understandable now. Will ASF come, uh, come to the UK? The, the million dollar question. Um, most certainly, absolutely not, or there's a good chance. For that, I would like to take you to the current situation in the Caribbean. So this is Haiti and the Dominican Republic. This is close to Cuba, just north of Venezuela, in, um, in the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, because there also African swine fever has popped up. After it spread from Africa to Europe and to Asia, it also spread to Middle America. So far, it has only spread to this island, Hispaniola, which consists of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Haiti is one of the most 
is one of the poorest countries in the world, and that's why there is no existing veterinary infrastructure. So the information, the number of information there is fairly limited. About the situation in the Dominican Republic, I can tell a little bit more. Here's a lot of information, and you can see roughly it's the same picture as in uh, Vietnam and China. I would say one third of the industry collapsed. Now here is 25%. It could be 25, could be one third, but the, the idea is roughly the same. A substantial uh, chunk of the industry disappeared. I interviewed um, Dr. Francisco Israel Brito and Professor Joaquin Paulino. They both are um, important people in the Dominican industry. And I asked them as well, um, what is the relevance of the outbreaks in the Caribbean? Well, uh, Dr. Brito said, we have various direct flights with the US, as well as Panama, South Mexico, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Venezuela. But the main communication is with the US, where about 2 million Dominicans are living. So if you keep in mind that the virus can travel with humans, it can travel in any direction in the, in the Americas. Professor Paulino added, if ASF were, leave, were to leave the country, it would go on to affect more than 15 million sows and around 250 to 300 million pigs in the whole American continent, and it would lead to a lot of unemployment and a catastrophic economic loss. To show you that that is not unthinkable, we have to go back a little bit in time because African swine fever genotype 1 visited Cuba in 1971 and 1980. It visited both Haiti and the Dominican Republic before, and it also was in Brazil. So all in all, the current infection that is going on now is the fourth time that the virus crossed the ocean, crossed the Atlantic Ocean. So the channel is peanuts for the virus. It already managed to cross the ocean various times. How did it travel across the ocean? Well, for instance, Fidel Castro gave the answer when he looked up, uh, looked at the situation um, in 1980 at the time. He said, uh, we believe that it's probably attributable to a phenomenon that's been growing in recent years, and that is the dozens of boatloads of Haitian immigrants that have headed to the Bahamas, the US, and elsewhere. Sometimes they carried live animals and food. It could be something that was said yesterday, but this is what it happened. They just traveled across the water with animals. Um, the top picture shows what was found when the outbreak made it to uh, Brazil. It was simply airline food that was disposed of after a flight. They had airline food left over and the guy who worked there also had a farm. He took it home, fed it to the pigs, and when they started checking, they even found cutlery from Iberia. <clears throat> and to show you how close it can get, African swine fever even briefly made it to the Netherlands in 1986 and affected two pig farms then. So will ASF come to the UK? I cannot promise, but there's a good chance that it will. Question five, what do the authorities have to do to keep ASF out? Create more awareness, preventive culling of all wild boar, or enhance security at ports of entry? Well, I would like to go back to that farm that I visited in Lithuania. You see the cover here, bottom left. Um, that farm was quite surprised to actually find that African swine fever made it to the farm because it was considered an exemplary farm and it was used as an example to many farmers in, around, uh, around Lithuania by the, the country's veterinary authorities. You can see it had, for instance, a spraying installation for, for trucks coming in. It had a double fence, 
Um, <clears throat> it was clearly guarded off. Even my stuff that I wanted to bring on the farm, I had to go through a, an infrared device, I think, but it was all very sophisticated. So they did a lot to buy security. The, the owner said at the time, the CEO said, I have never seen anything like that. All you can do is just talk about it. Sows, good normal sows, suddenly breathing heavily. You know they're dying, they're suffering. And we knew it must be a swine fever. They must have had blood exploding in their organs. If it is in their heart, they will die immediately. But if it's in their other organs, they die slowly. You see it in their eyes. He continued to say, in hindsight and from a distance, the cause of the death might seem ubiquitous. But at that time, however, nobody thought that ASF really could be true. In the past, this farm has even been used as an example by the Lithuanian state vets to demonstrate how well biosecurity should be applied. So I was so sure that ASF would not be able to get into the farm. And he said, the outbreak started in one of the wiener pens in the middle of the farm. And that's why I think it must have been caused by bugs or insects, for instance, horse flies. There were a lot of them in July 2014. And our theory is they must have been, there must have been a dead wild boar laying outside the farms and some of the insects must have visited it and then came into the stables stinging one of the pigs. So that was an interesting line of research. And a few years later, indeed, it was found that flies can be mechanic um, mechanic um, uh, vectors. So not that the animals themselves uh, get infected or carry the virus, but they can have it at their feet, for instance. And when they make short distances, and for, for instance, they fly into a farm and a pig swallows this fly, then it can be infected that way. So <clears throat> for instance, what happens when they try to find the, the, the dead wild boar, you can see that um, um, they end up in fields, for instance, they end up um, in forests, they are found everywhere. This pictures from the Czech Republic as well as Poland. And I think one of the few countries who really acknowledged the threat of African swine fever is Denmark, because the Danish know what to defend. They have a very strong swine industry and they definitely want to defend it. So we're the only country in the whole world they actually were well prepared and they built a, a barrier from the one side to the country, or one side of the border to the other. So they've fenced off their whole border with a fence to make sure that uh, wild boar cannot migrate into Denmark. And what I see around the world is that in every country, they think, oh, African swine fever, that's happening somewhere else. Um, it won't happen here. And all of a sudden people start being interested and start asking questions as soon as it is too late. The Danish are the only ones who really have taken measures. <clears throat> also to make sure that the virus doesn't come in, they have these uh, kind of border checkups that every, uh, every, um, every truck, every lorry that goes out and brings piglets to other countries in Europe, they need to go to an intensive um, washing phase as soon as these, these trucks come back to Denmark empty, but to make sure that there is no risk of infection. And there is a thorough inspection in case the, the, the truck is not clean enough, it's got to go back into Germany, do the washing again. I've stood there at, uh, to, to observe how that is all going on. Um, so what do the authorities have to do to keep ASF out? I think create more awareness is very important because the more people know about 
the devastative effect of this virus, the better it is, and enhance security at all ports of entry. And I think that's where the US is working towards. And that's, I think, judging on the amount of information I'm getting from the UK, that that is happening as well. Question six, take a sip of water again. Imagine an infected wild boar gets found in the UK, then what? Should there be a discreet disposal of the carcass? Shh, don't tell anybody. Should, should all wild boar be killed after all? Or should there be a matter of zoning and intelligent hunting? Well, this is the moment to take you to Czech Republic and Belgium. As you could remember of that card that I showed you earlier, there were two countries in green, and that's Belgium and the Czech Republic. The only countries so far that have managed to kick out African swine fever, all the others still suffer from it. How did the Czech do that? Because they were the first. Well, it happened here in Zlin. And again, this is probably due to humans that it popped up there because there were no infected wild boar in the white surroundings all of a sudden only around Zlin. What the Czechs did was to make sure to identify all the infected animals and make sure that they knew where they were. So they made a zone and they fenced it off. Instead of what you would think they might do is start killing all the wild boar in the area. I know they thought if we start hunting there, the animals won't sit and wait for us to kill them. So the animals will start running, spreading the virus. So what you want is as soon as you discover that African swine fever is in an area, you want the animals to stay there. So what they did was fence that area off and they even managed to not harvest. So the animals would think, oh, that's good here. There's plenty to eat. So there's no reason for us to move. They identified these zones. And once they had identified the zone where the, the, the majority of the disaster happened, that's where they started to, to shoot. But first they started to eradicate them, uh, to eliminate the, the populations around this perimeter. Because the idea was if the virus cannot escape or go from a sick animal to a healthy animal, that's where that's what the, the cycle you want to break. So first they, they fenced it off and tried to kill as many wild boar in the direct vicinity around it. And once that was fairly empty, they moved inside the zone and tried to um, remove every carcass and try to shoot every eliminated last animal. So all in all, it went around and roughly um, between June 2017 and April 2018, um, no domestic pigs got infected and they found between 220 and 230 dead wild boar. The, 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 the OIE and the Czech data, they are a little bit different. But that's roughly the amount. Um, there was intelligent hunting happening. And the key factors, in my, in my opinion, are dedication, focus, cooperation, and compensation. Every time an infected carcass was found, they would, comp they would compensate. So step forward, be open about it. And only with that uh, in behavior, you get all the right information to do what's right and make sure that the virus disappears. Um, same situation in Belgium, pretty much the same approach was taken, only the problem was a little bit bigger in the end, 831 victims, I think eventually 833, uh, that must be a little bit of a mistake, but pretty much this, the approach was the same and the outcome was the same. And you can see as soon as it happened, only in the last few 
in early 2020, they happened to find one carcass a month and they turned out to be dead, dead for quite a long time already. So all outbreaks there happened in Luxembourg province. Also no domestic pigs got infected. Again, also this was probably due to human behavior. Uh, here you see it, 833. Um, for a while, the third countries fell away because they could not export outside European Union for a while. And one producer told one of my colleagues that yeah, they lost about 440, uh, or they, they earned 4,400 4, pounds less per week. So an infected wild boar gets found in the UK, then what? Zoning and intelligent hunting would be the answer then. And question seven, last but not least, what can you as a pig farmer do to prepare against African swine fever? Nothing, or build an extra fence, or perhaps biosecurity. And to that, I would like to refer to my um, <clears throat> valued uh, old correspondent, the late John Gadd. Unfortunately, he's no longer amongst us, but he used to write for Pig Progress for a very long time. And I'm sure that some of you also may know his name. He came up with the idea of a fortress farm, which means very decent biosecurity, or at least as much as you can. Um, that includes, for instance, the reduction of pig-to-pig -pig contact. Well, obviously, you don't want pigs from outside to infect the ones from the inside. But uh, a, a fen perimeter fence with a camera and a microphone to make sure that no, no pigs can get in. Uh, or no, nobody actually can get in, make sure that the visits to the farm can be limited, mandatory shower in and shower out, ask yourself how are deliveries accepted and organized, um, <clears throat> replacement stock needs strict discipline, make sure that vehicles get sanitized, um, use properly the clothing and footwear, make sure that that's changed and uh, disinfected quite often. Obviously, fly control is an important one, for the internal biosecurity, the use of a detergent and a disinfectant should be very often and properly used. And the advice not to visit any areas where ASF is happening. That's just uh, a couple of things that I picked up on these articles. So what can you do as a pig farmer? Biosecurity, biosecurity and biosecurity. I think that is the only thing at the moment that people can do. So. In conclusion of my seven uh, questions, ASF has a near 100% mortality and there is no vaccine available yet. ASF is likely to stay around for a while. In wild boar, ASF virus spreads slowly, but humans can make it fast. It's definitely feasible that the virus can cross the channel. Awareness and preparation is essential. So to make sure that everybody knows what to do if it arrives and what they can do to avoid it from arriving. Tackling ASFV requires cooperation, transparency, and efficiency. I cannot say this more often because if you're not transparent, not cooperative, or not efficient, then it will spread. And we've seen many of examples in China or in Vietnam. And biosecurity should be top of mind for producers to keep ASF out. And with that, um, I'm open to any questions. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions or would like to know more, this is how you can reach me or follow me at social media. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Vincent. That was great. I don't know, there were some questions that were in the chat room. 
Um, someone has messaged, what is the difference between DNA and RNA? And what's the difference between the, yes, so you mentioned the DNA and RNA yep. at the beginning of your slides. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a microbiologist, so that question I cannot, I cannot answer. It is just that uh, the type of virus is, uh, the makeup of the virus is of a different origin. It's not like that one virus is related to the other. I wanted to show it that it has two completely separate viruses with two different microbiological origins, so to say. But the, the effect of the virus is the same, but it doesn't mean they are related. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anybody else got any questions for Vincent? We're looking very pensive. Nothing? No? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, lovely. Yes. Hello. 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 Hello, Vincent. That was a very interesting talk. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, could you tell us how long the virus mm -hmm. stays on, you know, those vehicles that were disinfected? How mm -hmm. long would a virus stay on your boots? How long would it stay on a vehicle? Mm -hmm. Because obviously people are coming onto your farm all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they're not dipping their feet, yeah. presumably they could bring it in on their Wellington boots. And Sure. Um, I do not know the answer by heart, so I can only be uh, give a rough estimate. It depends also on the surroundings and on the, the situation it is in, but it can survive um, long. I understand that there's been some research, for instance, that were investigating, for instance, whether the virus could survive a transatlantic journey by boat, and right. that is possible. So it, oh. it, can, it can stay alive for quite some time outside a host. So we're talking a week or uh, more? I think a matter of months, and I, I've have heard it can be even years. Okay, so when people fly to the UK, for instance, mm -hmm. from an infected country, mm -hmm. is it possible that they can carry it on their boots and their footwear, Absolutely. you know, obviously unknown to them, and visit a farm? Um, that is possible, or they take uh, infected meat pieces, for instance, that could also happen. But um, maybe it's happened already a few times, what you don't want is that the virus again comes into contact with pigs. And I think if it just gets into the UK and it doesn't get into contact with pigs, we'll never know about it. The, the, the disaster happens when it also comes back to pigs. Don't, don't admit anything. Yeah. So does it mean that if someone came onto your property with, mm -hmm. say, dirt on their boots with mm -hmm. the virus in, mm -hmm. it could then infect the land that you're, you're keeping your pigs on? I would suppose so. I think um, there have been examples, for instance, in, in Poland where, um, where uh, wild boar had died and um, then, then um, uh, the farmers had collected hay from those lands and there were little pieces of bone, for instance, included in the portions of hay and they were fed to the pigs. And that's how um, domestic pigs got infected as well. So there, there is a chance that that would happen, yes. Oh my goodness, right. Okay. And the fly the fly situation is mm -hmm. very interesting. And I don't know much about flies, but I don't know whether they migrate like birds. Mm -hmm. So we, it, that's obviously part of the story that flies have sort of infected that pig farm, like you say in Lithuania. Mm -hmm. Is that a possibility for the UK that um, well, I think flies only fly a short distance, so I think you want the virus to be in the UK for a fly to be 
uh, playing a role in that. But I don't think a fly would go across the channel. So I think in case um, the virus would pop up in the, in the African swine feed, in the wild bull population in the UK, then I think this could be more of a challenge. But I must say that this whole fly story is a is the matter of an academic debate. And yeah, there have been some tests that make it look like it is possible. And for the, for the farm in, um, in Lithuania, it looks like it is a, a plausible explanation. Yeah. Right. yeah. Thank, you. Thank you so much, Vincent. That's been so interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jesus. So so, does anybody else have any other questions? Yes, just Lucy. Bit, just, it might be a silly question, but we're totally fenced round with stock fencing. Mm. I noticed the fencing that was up in the video was very close, tight fencing. Would stock fencing, I mean, it stops our pigs getting out unless somebody breaks it down. Would that be sufficient to keep wild boars, not that we've got any in the area, but do you know what I mean? Would it be sufficient to keep them out? Um, well, in case there would be wild boar in the area, that would make all the difference, I think. But if they are not around there, I think your pigs should be safe. But um, what I see, for instance, happening here in the Netherlands with avian influenza, for instance, now the pressure of avian influenza is getting too high, then um, the authorities simply tell um, um, uh, owners of, of chicken farms, poultry farms, just to make sure that all their chickens go inside. So yeah. they are not allowed to be in touch with wild fowl. And yeah. I think perhaps this is something that might going to be happening in the UK as well, in case African swine fever is found in wild boar populations that they would say, okay, perhaps it's better in certain zones to keep the sows indoors or the animals indoors. Yeah, but I suppose as we've been hearing, you don't actually need the wild boar because it can be transported in other ways, get into the soil and... Yeah. Yeah. So no question about the fence, really. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was a very good point, actually, Lucy, mm -hmm. because I think in France, and I don't know if you must probably back me up on this, Vincent, or will have mm -hmm. further thoughts on this, is that in France they make all the pig farmers go on a... Um, a, a course where they've had to erect fences that are, I think it's about eight foot tall to, to, mm -hmm. to prevent the wild boar from coming. Mm -hmm. um, and at the moment we're talking about you saying that we have to be careful with regards to biosecurity and could ASF come into England? Mm -hmm. um, I think with the recent news that we've heard with 22 Arctic lorries that recently came over the border um, and they were stopped because they had contaminated pork feed on there, We've got a place in the New Forest where wild boar do roam. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with the possibility of, when you're mentioning about having to act well beforehand rather than wait for the actual problem to come and then act, um, it would see viable that or would seem viable that um, we could have the New Forest or people could act with regards to where we have got wild boar and start mm -hmm. to contain them because we have over here and something called panage where our pigs, domestic pigs, can actually go out and eat the acorns out in New Forest and they're mixing with the wild boar. Yeah. Um, and I think there's got to be something now that we should be doing. So I'm talking to, or the, I'm hoping that the authorities here in, in Great Britain and the United Kingdom are actually thinking about that. 
Yeah, I, I remember there was a situation in uh, in Romania pretty much like that, where um, sometimes owners would send their sows into the forest to mate with wild boar because they simply didn't have, well, there is no sophisticated AI system over there. So yeah, that was a cause of widespread um, uh, spreading of the virus. So yeah, I don't think, especially if African swine fever is around, it, definitely you should keep the, the two populations separate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to ask a fairly loaded question now, mm -hmm. Vincent, and please. Mm -hmm. um, so in the UK, we've you've seen all the, you may have heard about the noise about um, bird flu and the way the government's handled that, which I mm -hmm. think, personally think is a complete mess. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see, how would you see other than fences, you know, the government handling or the relevant bodies handling it in the UK outside of um, um, wild boar, which there are very few in this country. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't be able to comment on what the situation is in the UK in, in any detail. I think that, uh, that for that, I do not know too much about what is happening in the UK in detail. Okay, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. Absolutely fine. So if there isn't anything else, are we happy? Because it's most probably half past nine for you, Vincent, nearly your bedtime. Oh, I'm a, I'm a late bird. Late, uh, night owl, how do you say that? Yeah. Night owl, yeah, or a late bird. <laughs> Both of them works. No, no, my day's just started now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, lovely. Well, I think that um, if anybody hasn't got any more questions for Vincent, um, you know, thank you very, very much, Vincent, for attending. It's something that I've wanted to have talked because we we don't have this sort of talk on our, if I may say, our level of experience. Mm -hmm. um, it's more in our commercial sectors that we hear about it. And mm -hmm. I think it's this is really important for, for us who regardless of the size of the herds of the pigs that we use, that we should know about it and how it affects us. So thank you very much. It was very informative. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to do so. I'll second that. Thank you. Yeah, happy yeah. to do so. And I'm happy also to uh, to, to share what I've been, um, I've been hearing all over the world. And as I said, in most countries, the interest for African swine fever only starts when the virus inside is inside the country. So mm. anything that you can, you know, can help to, to spread the word sooner that is only uh, a good yeah. thing i think absolutely and hopefully we'll see you when you come to the uk next year yes Ooh. i am certainly I'm most certainly looking forward to that good good yeah okay everybody well thank you very much for coming and supporting yet again another one of our talks it's lovely to see you all yeah. so yeah. thank you and good night thank you thank you thank you bye bye well Thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Kim. And thank you to the numerous people that turned up to the event. Um, it was well enjoyed. And uh, um, hopefully you will find it as beneficial as, as we have. If you look in the description for the podcast, um, you'll see a link to the slides that Vincent talks about. That'll help you um, sort of tie in with what your, um, with, with any other questions that you may have or information that you may have missed. Well, that's really about it from me this time um this
would like to take the opportunity to thank all our supporters um, for supporting the charity. We can't function without you. Um, so I want to wish you all a very, very Merry Christmas and a very prosperous New Year. Um, until next time, happy pig keeping. <laughs>